Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Trish, your bartender. And I'm Sloan, your crime tender. And today we have a couple friends with us. Woohoo! We have my wife, roommate, I don't know, I've referred to her as many things on here. You have Logan. Hello! This is our my Lilo. Yes. <laughs> and then you have our friend, Abby. Yes. Abby was kidnapped a little bit. Logan had to give me a ride home, so I'm here for the ride. <laughs> She's not really kidnapped. I told her, blink twice <laughs> if you're safe. And you can't see it, but I promise she blinked twice. <laughs> she really only did it once. But it was twice. I saw it. It was twice. It was I just saw I just saw the second time, I promise. <laughs> so today's case is I just literally Ronald lost O'Brien. Ronald O'Brien. Okay. I was like, I literally just lost the case. The Candyman can. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot this is Candyman. This is the Candyman <laughs> So I'm excited because like I know I've heard this, but I always forget about him somehow. But Whether you've heard about this actual case, this case affected your childhood if you trick-or-treated. Yes. <laughs> so, so definitely uh, buckle up. Buckle up for the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Welcome back to another round of drinks with your bartender, Trish. And today's drink, Logan has deemed it double, double toil and trouble. It bubbles when you make it correctly. (laughs) (laughs) So all I did for this was I did an ounce of rum. Again, I use Bacardi because that's my go-to usually. And then I did a half ounce of Midori. And then a half ounce of blue carousel and then like two ounces of pineapple juice. And I just kind of shook it and then poured it in my cup. And yeah, because of the pineapple, it, it bubbles. But yes, it's good. It's a gives you a nice green color. And it's a. I was told not to try it because it was too pineapple. Yeah, it's definitely going to have a pineapple taste. So if you're not a pineapple fan. If you wanted to make it a punch, put it over some dry ice, and it really will look like double, double toil and trouble. Yeah. We, we cheap bitches, though, so we ain't buying dry ice. Oh, no, regular ice is fine. <laughs> no, but I want a real cauldron for liquor purposes. Yes. <laughs> but. Of course. What else would you use for liquor? We, we can't say that on the podcast, Abby. <laughs> already have the FBI agents <laughs> listening to us <laughs> for kidnapping. We confirmed that I blinked. Twice. Twice. Oh, but that is our drink. We're going to jump into this episode. It's definitely going to be a crazy one. It's a short but crazy one. So, but get ready for it. All right. So, this is a little bit of an older case. Um, The main character, Ronald Clark O'Brien, was born on October 19th, 1944, but we are jumping, like, way into the future to 1992. He lived with his wife, Daneen, 
and their two children, Timothy and Elizabeth, in Deer Park, Texas, which is a middle-class suburb of Houston. He worked as an optician and served as a deacon at a Baptist church, where he also sang in the choir and oversaw the local bus program for the church. Those who knew Ronald considered him a model citizen. One pastor described him as a, quote, good Christian man and an above-average father, and let me just say to that, I found the reason why the floor, why the bar is on the floor, ladies. Like, if okay. this is a good man, it explains why we don't expect anything. Oh, I'm so ready for this. In reality, Ronald had a hard time keeping a job. He was employed by at least 21 companies over a 10-year period and fired from each one for negligence or fraudulent behavior. In the fall of 1974, 30-year-old Ronald was on the brink of being fired yet again when his employer, Texas State Optical, suspected him of stealing money. So, the fraudulent behavior begins. <clears throat> but, like, in 1992, when all of this was happening, his current take-home pay was, like, $150 a week. Hmm? Or maybe this was 1970 still. No, it was, yeah, so 1970s. So his take-home pay was $150 a week at that point, and that equals about $901 in today's money. I wish I made that every week. Right? I don't even make that every two weeks. I know. And this paycheck barely covered food and rent, and it was later discovered that he was more than $100,000 in debt. He had defaulted on several bank loans, and his car was on the verge of being repossessed. I don't know why I thought this was happening in the 1990s. It was the 1970s altogether. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I think, oh, I was thinking of the Yoshi case. Oh, my God. My bad. <laughs> I researched them both at the same time. So, in my head, I'm in two different decades. So, this is the 1970s. My bad. October 31st, 1974 began like any other Halloween night. Although Ronald had never shown any interest in Halloween before, this year he was very eager to take his children trick-or-treating. Jim Bates, who was a family friend and neighbor, and his two children joined the O'Brien family for the evening ex excursion. At one house, the children went to the door but received no response. Ronald ended up staying behind the group to try to get a response from the house, even though their lights are off. And we all know in trick-or-treating language, that means... Nobody's home. Yeah. Or I don't have candy to give you. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. My family said play dead. You don't exist. <laughs> Bottom line. What Trish said. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> like, if the light is off, leave me the fuck alone. So, Ronald stayed behind in a, quote, attempt to get candy from this house. And he ended up catching up with the rest of the group holding five giant pixie sticks. If you don't know what a pixie sticks is, it's a, like, large tube of sugary powder. It's literally sugar. <laughs> it was the best treat. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Oh, no, I loved it. I was just about to say that was my favorite candy. And I loved the orange. Oh, it was blue for me. Orange. I should have. Mm. Look, we could split a box easily. I'll say. I, I, I'd probably go for the blue. That's definitely <laughs> the one I would go. We well, y'all can battle that out, wives. Um, But... Ronald claimed that the neighbors were actually home and handing out very expensive treats. They just took a little longer to come to the door. He gave one to each of the kids and each of the Bates kids, and then he gave the fifth to a random boy that was walking by that he recognized from, the, from his church. Before bed, Ronald was putting the kids away to go to sleep, and he was like, hey, you can have one piece of candy. And to that I say, who 
are you? Because if it is Halloween night, I'm eating half the bucket. I'm getting sick. <laughs> and then I'm going to bed. We got our buckets taken away. We used a um, pillowcase. Oh, we did use pillowcases, but those are taken away. Ours got taken away the day after Halloween. Okay. But I feel like Halloween night was kind of a free-for-all. We just all split ours. Like, I had four siblings. We poured it in a thing. Oh, I definitely stole my brother's Yeah, pieces. no, we we would definitely, like, dump ours out to see, like, what we got and see if there's anything we wanted to trade. But Logan, then it was ours. Logan's just over here dying because she knows my love for Reese's. <laughs> Wait until I tell you about the bag I got at work today. Oh, gosh. But continue. One piece of candy. I don't need to know about the bag you got at work today, then. Anyways, so Dad was like, hey, you can have one piece of candy and he kind of was pushing the pixie stick on the kid, but that's neither here nor there. And Timothy actually decided on his pixie stick as the candy of his choice for that night. So he starts ingesting, inhaling, whatever, like eating, eating. I mean, yeah. I always let it melt on my tongue. Yeah. Anytime I think of like pixie sticks, I honestly think of like my band competitions because. My friends were idiots and um, <laughs> they literally try. Yes. And they would literally sit there and have like contests of like basically trying to like just throw this pixie stick dust like down like their throats. Oh, I would win. <laughs> so think like the cinnamon challenge that was going around. Like it was like that shit. Yeah. I and so that. I remember my one friend like literally coughing up like blue like pixie stick dust <laughs> for like five minutes. <laughs> I would win. Anyways, so child Timothy is eating his pixie stick whenever he complains immediately that the candy tasted very bitter. So his dad gave him some Kool-Aid to help wash it down. Ugh. Always the Kool-Aid. Uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid. The Kool-Aid man. Almost immediately, Ronald heard his son calling out to him that his stomach hurt. Timothy was in the bathroom convulsing, vomiting, gasping for air, and then suddenly he went limp. Sadly, Timothy died on the way to the hospital less than an hour after eating the, the, the candy. When Timothy's body was brought to the morgue, the medical examiner recalled the scent of almonds coming from the boy's mouth. Which is often I was like, That's a poison. telltale sign of cyanide I poisoning. I literally was just thinking it's cyanide. An autopsy later confirmed that Timothy had consumed enough potassium cyanide to kill two to three grown men. Jesus Overkill. Timothy's death raised fear in the community. Numerous parents in Deer Park and the surrounding areas turned in the candy their children got from trick-or-treating to the police, fearing it was laced with poison. The police initially didn't suspect Ronald until the autopsy came back, and four of the five pixie sticks were recovered by authorities, none of whom had consumed any of the candy. But the parents of the fifth kid were absolutely hysterical when police showed up for the candy because they couldn't find it. The parents rushed upstairs to find their son sleeping with the pixie stick in his hand, unopened. The boy had been unable to open the candy on his own, ultimately saving his life. So they were able to recover all of the pixie sticks at that point, and only the one had been opened and consumed, but they could tell that the rest of them had been opened 
and the top two inches were refilled with cyanide powder and resealed with a staple. I have a question. So these aren't the little flimsy paper pixie sticks. Are these the big ones? These are the big ones. Okay. I was like, why couldn't he open it? Well, and I also feel like the paper ones, if you did two inches of cyanide, that's the whole thing. That's the whole pixie stick. Okay, sorry. That's the whole pixie stick right there. I needed some clear. So we're definitely talking about the large plastic ones. We talked about how the paper ones literally, you like, you touch it wrong and it busts open. Well, it's not even that. It was like, how much paper do we consume? Because. Because you had to just have to like basically try and bite it to like where you would not have it clumped together. (laughs) I don't even think the pixie sticks begins to cover what's wrong with the amount of bullshit that I ate as a kid. I mean, play doh. It was salty. It was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Sloan. (laughs) No, we we weren't allowed to have it in our house. I already knew that. So anyways, back to the story. Investigators had Ronald and Jim Bates retrace their steps from Halloween night. Ronald gave conflicting accounts as to which house handed out the poison candy. Ronald and Jim took the kids on two streets that night because it was raining. So there really weren't even that many houses for them to go through. And he was trying to act dumb like, oh, I don't know. It was somewhere on this street. (laughs) Their suspicions increased after learning that none of the homes had actually handed out pixie sticks that night. But also, I'm kind of curious, because, like, where the fuck did this man hide these large-ass pixie sticks? Down the back of his pants. I was going to say. He was probably wearing garters and had it, like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's Uh, really good. Well, now I know know how Logan's going to kill me. (laughs) Although, um, I know she knows to do Reese's. Yeah, it's, a, it's a joke, FBI. I'm not really going to do it. Dear personal agents, we are just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyways, all right, so. Blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> After walking the neighborhood three times with police, Ronald finally led them to the home that nobody supposedly answered the, and gave him the pixie sticks. Ronald claimed that he only saw a man's arm reaching through the door whenever he handed over the pixie sticks. But that particular home was owned by a name, a man named Courtney Melvin, who was most definitely at work on Halloween night until 11 p.m. He was like an air traffic controller. Oh, yeah, there's no way. So, like, it's very much logged that he was not at home. Yeah. And that allowed for Courtney to be ruled out as a suspect almost immediately. The police soon learned about the O'Brien's financial problems, that he was over $100,000 in debt, and that's like a half a million dollars today. They also found he had taken out multiple life insurance policies on his children. One of the policies was open just days before the murder. They also found a piece of adding machine tape, and on that, Ronald had written down the amount of each of his bills that he owed, the total coming out to the amount of the insurance claims. I, uh, let me just uh, open up a life insurance policy on you real quick. Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds great. I'll be sure to take care of the boys. I was about to say, I, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this adulting bullshit. I volunteer. Once again, FBI agents. I'm just kidding. We have to plan this off air. Oh, you're right. You're right. Um, not really? <laughs> blink twice if you were kidding. Uh, blink, twice, blink. twice, twice, blink. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. Blink, blink. 
Um, as police dug deeper, they also learned that Ronald had inquired with several chemical companies on where to buy cyanide and jokingly asked how much it would take to kill a person. Jokingly, he asked. Oh, like the life insurance policy. The police also found a pocket knife in the O'Brien home with candy residue on it, suggesting how the candy might have been contaminated. (laughs) Makes sense to me. And although Ronald played the part of a grieving father well and maintained his innocence, after failing a polygraph, he was arrested on November 5th, 1974, and charged with Timothy's murder. And I'm, we're, we're fully aware, polygraphs, they're not shit, but also... If you're nervous you fail those, I would fail it by just being hooked up. Right. I would walk in the room and fail. I have anxiety. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we all do. Yeah. So a former assistant district attorney who worked on the case, Clyde DeWitt, said, quote, I am not able to imagine a crime more reprehensible than someone killing his own child for money. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you probably know I don't want to have kids. So, like, I mean, I get it. But also, if I had a kid, I would raise it and take care of it. I'm not going to fuck it up. No. Like, you brought that life into this world. You take care of that life. This is absolutely horrible. Yes. According to Johnny Johnston, a forensic psychologist and private investigator, poisoners as a group typically lack empathy, evidenced by by the premeditated nature in which they kill and the cold calculating strategy they often use. That's interesting because they say if a woman's going to kill somebody, she's going to do it with poison. Oh, yeah. Usually, yeah. But, like, also a woman's going to have that shit planned out to the... It's not that she lacks empathy, though. I feel like it's just you're done with your shit at that point. Yep. It's kind of just, I mean, as a woman, you're probably the one preparing the meals. So, like, it's just really... You have easier access, so you can do it over time, and it's not... Okay. So, I do agree that it's not a lack of empathy on their part, but also, like, I do get this... I understand why he would say it is. As a whole, Yeah. yeah. But Ronald's days of fooling people were over. On June 3rd, 1975, after less than an hour of deliberating, a Harris County jury convicted Ronald O'Brien of murder and sentenced him to death. After being found guilty, Ronald appealed his case multiple times, twice to the Supreme Court. Clyde DeWitt, the former assistant DA, he said, Back then, the constitutional issues surrounding the death penalty were far less settled than is the case now. O'Brien's attorney had quite a bit to work with. Clyde also was the one to write the brief for, Ryan, for Ronald's final appeal in 1979. The facts were extensive and horrible. As I recall, the last sentence of my oral argument to the Court of Criminal Appeals was something like, if these facts do not support the jury's death sentence, there never will be facts that will. I agree with that. Like, if this man did not deserve the death penalty, yeah, who does? In the end, all appeals were denied, and Ronald was executed by lethal injection on March 31st of 1984 at the Texas State Penitentiary at Huntsville. Ronald's last words were, quote, What is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. I would forgive all who have taken part in any way in my death. So, like, it's not okay for you to be put to death, but it's okay for you to put your child to death to cash in a paycheck. Who right? did absolutely nothing to deserve his death, but you, on the other hand, are a monster. But okay. No, you're wrong. His child enjoyed a great Halloween night. That's what he did. How dare he? How dare he? This child. Yes. See, not everybody is fit to be a parent. Amen. Some of us are just aware of it. 
me up. So a funnish fact to kind of like close this out a little bit is his last meal was a T-bone steak, medium well, which tells me everything I need to know about if this it's man. anything above medium, oh, no. Yeah. We are a medium rare household personally, but yes. like if it's anything yes. above medium, red flag. Yes. He also had French fries and ketchup, whole kernel corn, sweet peas, lettuce and tomato salad with egg and French dressing. Iced tea, sweetener, saltines, Boston cream pie, and rolls. Man, I would have to say that my last meal would have just been rolls. (laughs) (laughs) You know there'd be some potatoes in there. (laughs) Some cinnamon rolls. (laughs) (laughs) rolls. I'll be like, I'm going out. Just give me all the fucking cars. All the cars. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She'll be like, I've waited this long. Let's go. And throw a Reese's in there. You know, <laughs> that's a dessert. Make Reese's cinnamon rolls. I didn't even wait for my last meal to eat all the carbs. So for my last meal, I'm I'm eating all the carbs. All the carbs. Give me the pasta, the potatoes, the rolls. Okay, but I bet you he dipped his steak in ketchup too. Uh, he did say they did say French fries and ketchup. Yeah, his so steak I, was in there too. I see that. <laughs> steak was in there. During his execution, a crowd of three of over 300 demonstrators gathered outside the prison, cheering and yelling, trick or treat, while others showed anti-death penalty demonstrations with candy. Hmm. Yeah. So, Ronald O'Brien leaves a haunting legacy behind. He was known as the Candyman and the man who killed Halloween. He never confessed to his crimes, but many believe he chose Halloween and poison candy to carry out the murder because of the many urban legends that spread of laced candies being passed out to children trick-or-treating. And so that's why I said, even if you haven't heard of the specific case, this case probably affected your childhood because, like, I know. I I was going to say, I distinctly remember being told I can't eat my candy, and this is why my candy was taken away. In case there were drugs in it. But now that I'm an adult, who's giving me drugs for free? (laughs) Amen. But, like, I also do remember that, like, growing up after going trick-or-treating, we always had to empty our bags. And if anything was slightly opened, it went in the trash. No, my parents did make us go through it. But, like, we didn't get our stuff, like, my mom did not go through my candy. I went through my candy. It's just because my mom wanted my candy. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I had to hide my candy from my stepdad because he was bad about the Reese's tube. (laughs) And it would have been World War Four in our house over some Reese's. We were allowed to keep our candy in that, but, like, also there wasn't many places in my house you could hide it. And um, my dad definitely <laughs> always took some Reese's. So, uh... There weren't many places to hide food in my house either, but if you know anything about me, (laughs) it's kind of my specialty. Like, I will never forget my mom catching me having, like, two 12-packs of soda in my closet one day. But, like, (laughs) it was the beginning of my eating disorders. (laughs) That's for another podcast. (laughs) No, that's for my Instagram. But oh, hope you enjoyed this case today. We definitely did not ruin Halloween. This fucker did. It's yes. not ruined. I still celebrate, but yeah, you're a piece of shit. Yes. But we'll kick you off to the last call. Welcome to another last call. Logan's going to do our last call today. So we'll let her take it away. 
What better way to do it with fun halloween facts after that one? Woo! <laughs> uh, did you know in 2010, Belleville, Illinois became the latest city to ban trick-or-treating for kids over 12, and teens can face fines up to from $100 to $1,000 for going door-to-door. Excuse Fine. the fuck out of me. At, at the age of 12. 12. Excuse- I didn't stop trick-or-treating until I was 15. Who has $100 at 12 years old? Uh, don't you get an allowance? No. no. Oh, okay. Just me. Okay. Sorry. 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 No. Um, okay. Who are you okay. to tell me how old I can be to trick or treat? Oh. Did you know that jack o' lanterns were once made out of turnips, beets, and potatoes and not pumpkins? No. I feel like that would be so much fun, though. I would <laughs> totally have a potato. I mean, if you... if you, if you I'm going to come home potatoes. and there's going to be a whole fucking vegetable garden worth of, like... Hey, I got to get Hell's Moving <laughs> Castle to come to me somehow. Turn up head. Come there's on. There's going to be a whole freaking, like... They're going to be at the front door greeting you. Like, waiting at the door. I'll be like, yeah. Jesus They're Christ. They're going to be greeting you. And you're like, damn it, Logan. <laughs> Um, according to Irish legend, jack-o'-lanterns are named after a stingy man named Jack, who, be- who, because he tricked the devil several times, was forbidden entrance into both heaven and hell, and he was condemned to wander the earth, leaving his lantern to lead people away from their paths. I'm not Did not that life. He's like an I'm Irish, here. like, uh, Halloween will-o'-wisp. I'm here for it. <laughs> I was like, I mean, hey. Um, during Halloween celebration, bonfires are lit to ensure the sun would return after the long winter. Often Druid priest would often throw the bones of cattle into the flames and hits bone fire became bonfire. Nice. Because I like bone fire better. Right? It sounds way more mystical. We're going back to that, guys. Okay, we're going to have a lot of bone fires this fall. We're having bone fire. (laughs) Uh, With s'mores. Did you know people used to dance for treats on Halloween? Trick or treaters in medieval times would go door to door asking for treats and in return would dance, sing, or play. Would you like to see my dancey dance for a Reese's? (laughs) (laughs) No. Put it away. (laughs) Um, Everyone probably knows this one, but I like this anyway. Dressing up as ghouls and other spooks originated from the ancient Celtic tradition of townspeople disguising themselves as demons and spirits. They believed that disguising themselves this way would allow them to escape the notice of the real spirits wandering the streets during Samhain. Yes, because according to like legends and that, it's the like, thinnest veil between the spirit realm and ours. It's the day before like the Halloween day of the dead, town. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and according to tradition, if you wear your clothes inside out okay. and walk backwards on Halloween, you will Break see a witch at hurt. <laughs> I mean, yes, in our case, but also <laughs> you will see a witch at midnight. Okay, but I see a witch when I look in the mirror. I was like, but what if you are one mm, that's up for debate it just depends <laughs> on who i guess uh, uh and last one because i think this one is kind of <laughs> it isn't <laughs> it isn't out of the norm to see some crazy good decorations for halloween especially when it comes to blood and gore but there have been a few accounts of people actually seeing dead bodies this exact thing happened to a postman when he saw a really realistic looking dummy dead on the ground 
found out later it was an actual dead body. It's never, it's never a mannequin. A mannequin. <laughs> it's never a mannequin. If anything we have learned in true crime, it's never a mannequin. Also, Is that all of your facts? Oh, I have one You more. have one more? I okay. have one more. And it's just on the witchy thing. Um, the word witch comes from the Old English weiss, which means wise woman. And in fact, Wiccan were highly respected people at one time. According to popular belief, witches held an important meeting on Halloween night. Y'all ready to dance around a bonfire with me? A bonfire. <laughs> yeah. Let's make it sound even more subtle. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Let me read. Bonefire. We're gonna we're gonna meet around a bonfire at midnight on Halloween. Okay, witches. It is worry. on a Monday this year, so we are off. So wait, is it Halloween the day before or Halloween? Like, is it midnight going into Halloween or is it midnight on the thirty first? Because technically, why I'm... don't we do both? To oh, cover you know what? Cover our asses. Let's go. There you go. <laughs> but also on the note of the mannequin, I was gonna bring up that uh, Trish and I started watching Dahmer. <laughs> Yeah, and if you watched it, you oh, know why I'm bringing no. that up. We just finished, I think, the fourth episode. I might have been the third. One episode was like three hours long. It felt like I just know we finished. We're definitely on either the fourth or, or the fifth episode. Fifth episode, and so yeah, I think the one we just finished was the fourth. And when it ended, Sloan turns to me and goes. I'm going to have nightmares. I mean, I knew that he was fucked up, but still, I'm going to have nightmares. There's a difference between reading about it <laughs> and, like, seeing this shit, but I also, also think... Um, can someone check on... What, what Evan. Evan. He's not having a good time I, I right now. I feel like that, that poor baby needs some, like, good therapy. I mean, to be honest, like, pulling off that role that well, it reminds me very much of, like, Heath Ledger pulling off the Joker. That. Those are two very, very, very dark roles. <laughs> Somebody get that man a cuddle puddle. Right. <laughs> you want to volunteer? Yeah, I'll cuddle anybody. Because <laughs> I sure as hell ain't cuddling like, nobody. And this is how I wonder sometimes about us because Logan's like, yes, love and affection. And I'm like, don't touch me. I said I would cuddle anybody, <laughs> but like, I'm realizing what podcast I'm on. I will not cuddle. <laughs> It's people she knows. It's people I know. It's people I know. Please don't kill me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, on that note, thanks for hanging out with us today. You can find us on all of our socials. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. They're all tequila she wrote across the board. You can also email us with any case suggestions, cocktail recipes, last calls, anything. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up for as little as $2 a month. You get ad-free episodes and you get a little bonus episode every month. And then if you sign up for some of the other tiers, you get things like Sloan's Rooting Paradise or my Haunted episodes. Um, and then there's some other stuff. There's some merchandise and all that. If you see, like, we're lacking some stuff, let us know. We're willing to work with you. What? Logan Nothing. said she would pay us for cuddle puddles. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's a Logan exclusive, oh, guys. Gosh. That isn't Logan. Ex that is not yes. a Patreon. That is a Logan exclusive. But if you want to check us out, Patreon, easiest way to do that is go to patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, or you can go to our socials, find our link tree, and you can click on the link and it should send you directly to our page. But check it out. 
Let us know what you think. Let us know if we're missing anything. And thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express today. Toot toot. Beep.